Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique Podcast. Myself, your host, Silas Martin. My co-host, as always, Christian Reynolds. Today, we're hitting a preview of a sneaky banger of a Fight Night card. Would you say it's fair to say, Christian? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good main card outside of the top two, and then the prelims are pretty neat. Yeah, it's definitely a card that reveals itself to be more interesting the more you look into it, the further down. But yeah, of course, has to have a couple of uh, weird light heavyweight fights at the top. So I guess uh, let's get right into it. Former champion at light heavyweight Jan Blachowicz, coming off his championship loss to Glover Teixeira, uh, taking on top contender who's been on the ascent for a while, Alexander Rakic. And I think a lot of people are kind of just counting Jan out a little bit in this fight because he's getting up there and... There's just been a lot of worry. I've been really worried about uh, the things I've been hearing about his neck injury on the nasty can opener that Glover had him in in their fight. I mean, already postponed this fight before. But assuming that Yan is Yan and that he's still just going to do all of the Yan things, I don't see why this isn't like a pretty good matchup for him because Yan Blahovic has made an entire career on feasting upon uh, being just like a reasonably fundamentally sound kickboxer in a division where those don't exist. And then you have Alexander Rakic, who uh, is just, to me, kind of just a little bit of a incoherent athletic mess of a fighter. His striking game is mostly like do a big blitz or throw a kick from really far away, do a couple punches and then throw a big old kick. He will try to wrestle and impose a top game, but mostly just kind kind of tries to strong people because he is a pretty big athletic guy. Um, he doesn't really push much of a pace or have much of a sense of directionality or, or very good defense. So I'm like, why shouldn't Jan Blachowicz just be able to jab and kick him up and then whenever a racket just skitters back in a straight line, uh, you can just do a blacker blitz and follow through with like body kicks as uh, racket exits. Hit left hooks off of his jab. All of the nice Jan Blahovic stuff. But yeah, Jan has struggled with strong top players and racket shut down Anthony Smith on top. Yeah, Anthony Smith's a good jiu-jitsu player, but he was already kind of just broken on the feet. And you have to wonder if that fight even would have been able to get to the ground if Rakic hadn't been uh, dropping... Anthony Smith with low kicks and Jan Blachowicz is like the best kick defender at light heavyweight. It's not even close. He like handily outkicked Israel Adesanya. Is there any reason, Christian, to pick Alexander Rakic other than uh, being young and having a good chin and big and strong? Um, No, but despite agreeing with basically everything you've said, I'm going to do the chud pick and say Alexander Rakic is going to win because Jan got dropped in his last fight by someone slower than Rakic that isn't as large as Rakic. 
Yeah, but someone who could uh, like establish a legitimate takedown threat. Well, yeah, but also like it was it was a left hook that that like really fucked him up, like initially. And I can't get it out of my head seeing like Glover being because Glover is is great. I love him as a champ, but he is not fast. No, he's not. But I I, I think it was more the fact that Glover got a takedown so early in the first round, and then just spent the rest of that round on top and had Yan really uncomfortable. I think is what allowed him to land the the strike that knocked Yan down in the second round. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of him just not expecting to get left hooked, and he's probably not really going to have the takedown threat established on him. But Rakage is, like, larger than Glover, which I could see being a big factor. Glover is a large, light heavyweight, don't get me wrong, but Rakage is, is like, fucking massive, and he's really strong. Uh, and though I do think, in theory, Jan has kind of all the tools necessary to win this matchup easily, I think Rakage might just kind of go up and crack him real fast, and then... Uh, get a bad fight out of Blahovich for the rest of it. And Rakic is, like, really durable. Uh, when watching his fights back, I was, like, forgetting how much he gets hit perfectly clean because he has terrible defense, but also is just fine. So it, it's always difficult to pick the guy that's known for his power punching to knock out a guy that isn't getting knocked out or, like, even really getting hurt. I, I, it's easier to bet on a chin than it is to bet on power. I mean, yeah, but also Jan Blachowicz has been a really like consistent workman, like volume striker when he's not knocking people out because he was not not known as a power puncher for long stretches of his career. Definitely, I can definitely see why people are worried for Jan in this matchup, but uh, it's one of those where I've got to just make that being actually good at MMA and having actual skills pick. And I feel like we've got some goodwill back from uh, being super right two weeks in a row. So I'm going to pick Jan Blahovic by uh, leg kick check stoppage. Okay, that's badass. I respect that. Uh, I if I were going with my heart pick, I would say that Blahovic is going to like consummately outstrike him for three and a half rounds and build up a body attrition lead, and then finish Rakic as Rakic starts getting messy. It, or, I mean, he would be getting messy well before then, but I just kind of think the body attrition rules kind of deteriorate the chin. But I, I, I would pick him to win in, like, the fourth or fifth by that method if I was going with my heart, but I, I don't want to this time because we kind of have deferring picks uh, being, like, the main deciding factor. Uh, but, or we don't need to. It's just in this one, why not? You know, Rackage is in the fight still. So I'm going to say Rackage by decision. Ugh. Yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. Rakic, he also has like parts to his game, or, or I use the term game lightly. But he has like parts that could become coherent if he just got better, which I'm not like holding out hope for. But I don't know. There's like routes to victory for him on the feet as well if he can uh, kind of change up some stuff. Plus, you know, the context of Blahovich not looking great in his last fight. I would be more worried for Jan if Rakic had like a coherent counter-punching game. But he doesn't counter well at all. No. And that's Jan's main problem is that when he just does a black blitz, there is absolutely room, as we saw in, in the Thiago Santos fight, for someone to just stand their ground and throw a big old counter and knock him the fuck up out. But I don't think Rakic has the composure in the pocket to land those shots when he's just got 
like a giant Polish man just shifting at him. I think he's just going to run backwards and get body kicked. Yeah, and, and probably the most uh, competent part of Rakic's game is a kicking game, but that's kind of inert because Blahovic is one of the best kick defenders, as you said. So it, it's just, he, he does a lot that can nullify Rakic on the feet, just in every fight, regardless of his civic fight preparations that he does, because he, he normally comes in well-prepared for his opponent, but just every time he fights someone, he's just fine defending kicks. Let's go Polish power. I think he's still got it in the tank. Uh, co-main event is a way sillier light heavyweight fight between Ryan Span and Iwan Kutalaba. I don't know. I, I, I picked Kutalaba yeah. by knocking out Ryan Spahn in the first two rounds. I think Kutalaba will be aggressive and Ryan Spahn will uh, shit the bed and not have answers for it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Ryan Spawn is going to knock him down and then proceed to lose. <laughs> Does, like, like Utalaba might actually just take him down and like pound him out early. I could see that happening, but Spawn's like better at at handling someone trying to do that than he is someone just going up and cracking him after they've been cracked because he gets really aggressive going for the finish sometimes, but is just not a good finisher. Like he he is not accurate at all when he hurts someone. He just kind of like starts flailing at them and trying to knock them out with power. And, you know, like, Kutalaba's a lot of things, but like, easy to knock out is not one of them. You kind of, you gotta have like the athletic goods to just crack him on the chin or you gotta have like laser precision counterpunching. And like, Uncle Live just kind of hit him with two really good shots in both their fights and then set up the finish and, uh, you know, Ryan Spawn's not He's not on Goliath. He certainly isn't. And like watching the Khalil Roundtree fight, Kudalaba can handle someone that's that's like way more physical than Ryan Spawn. And, you know, less composed maybe, but being less composed than uh, Khalil Roundtree is pretty hard uh, depending on the matchup. Yeah, I, I just think Ryan Spawn is like just too aimless. It seems like the smart thing to do would just be not to give Ryan Spann time to think about anything and just run at him. But I also just don't trust Ryan Spann not to walk into clinches and just inevitably end up in areas where Ewan just will fuck him up and actually like has technical advantages in the clinch and as a wrestler. So I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick Ewan by finish. It's going to be it's going to be a wacky fight though. These guys are just always in like good bad fights. Yeah, I, I'm with Kudalaba by finishing the first two. I'm going to say first round. Uh, and then after this, or, or before this, we have Davy Grant, Louis Smolka. Uh, for some reason, I can't quite put my finger on why, but I am just feeling Davy Grant by left hook knockout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, Louis Smolka is going to look really good for like two or three minutes. And, and Davy Grant's going to look kind of bad for two or three minutes. And then David Grant's going to knock him out with a left hook after he starts finding left hooks to the body. Yeah, I mean, we also could just get a, a round of weird neutral kickboxing where David Grant's just doing a bunch of like hook kicks and spinning shit. Um, but at some point, he, he, he's just going he, to find the left hook. He's David Grant. Yeah, I really like Luis Smolka because he has so many fights where he looks really good, but he loses many of them. 
uh, normally by finish. Um, quite often, uh, quite quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. Like in his recent run, he's gotten finished early twice uh, by varying levels of competition. Uh, and, and he also had like a really hard fight with Quinones, I believe it was. Uh, but, you know, he, he looks really good. He just, he's defensively liable and pretty slow and has bad reaction time. So that's the main thing holding him back. Like as skill set wise, he's, he's pretty good. Does sound like a recipe for getting left hook by Davy Grant though. Yep. And Davy Grant is, uh, like you can't really let his record fool you because he is durable. Like he can, he can eat shit. Uh, he, he's like good enough on the ground to where he is like a better grappler than striker probably, but he's just like more effective a striker. He's just British and loves left hooks. So yeah, I could see Smoka like kind of tooling up David Grant for a round, but I don't think Smoka has anywhere near the stopping power to actually uh, put David Grant down or do anything with him uh, past a round. And Smoka gets tired. David Grant, he, I mean, he has fucking insane cardio. Like you'd expect an old guy like him to just be kind of exhausted after doing rounds of power, but he can just keep going. He's so. also weird, just weirdly fine. Uh, just because I think because of having spent. I think just starting MMA pretty late and having spent decent portions of his career just out and not fighting actively. So he's just not as degraded as you would expect someone his age to be. There's also a decent chance that Davy Grant is way younger than we think he is and he just looks old as fuck because he's a British guy. Uh, let me, let me he's 36. Let me oh, he's 36. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If there's anyone who Louis Smoker might actually drop in the first round before getting finished, uh, it's Davy Grant. I thought Davy Grant beat Adrian Yanez. It was a close fight where he like, definitely held his own against a prospect that people have been super hyped about at Bantamweight. I'm not saying it was a robbery or anything, but it, it, it was a close fight, and Adrian Yanez is definitely going to be a, a meaningful player at Bantamweight for a decent amount of time, I think. Okay, uh, Caitlin Chukagian versus Amanda Hebus. I'm not entirely sure what's going on here, if Amanda Hebus is actually moving up to flyweight or if this is a short notice thing, because she was booked against Michelle Watson. And I thought it was Michelle Watson that pulled out, so maybe they, maybe she just needed a fight. Um, but spoiler alert, I think we we may have a feeling that this could be Caitlin Jukagin's first UFC finish. I, I, I definitely agree, and we're both going to pick that because we're not cowards. But I want to float the idea that maybe Hebas is going to be able to leverage a substantial grappling advantage it, uh, if she can actually fill out to 125 well because she is she isn't like a massive 115 it doesn't seem like when you watch her fights but maybe i i could kind of see her just being strong at 125 and she should have a pronounced grappling advantage if she actually gets chukagian on her back but chukagian's getting harder to take down and is uh quite strong in, in her own right i don't uh, know about strong but she's like She's being being able to neutralize bigger and stronger, if not as technical grapplers as Amanda Heber. Yeah, I, I more mean strong in like the sense of like good, like the sense of like good, rather than like literally strong. You know, like she, like she can handle herself. You know, Kaylin Kaylin improved a lot. She's someone whose style used to really annoy me, but watching tape on her, I think it's like been moving in a direction that makes more sense and she has been sitting down on her shots more and actually working more on you know, consistently getting into range and she plays all of her tools off of the, each other pretty well 
Yeah, and I, I want to mention that Hibas's chin could actually end up looking better at 125 because an issue with her that is kind of like I kind of had a theory about maybe being true since uh, before she got knocked out by Rodriguez was that maybe her chin's just not that good. And her last few fights have kind of made that look pretty clear. So maybe at uh, 125, her chin will actually be better. That could be a factor in why she's a little chinny at 115. But, you know, she's really hittable. And uh, Chukagian's one of the better, uh, like, straight hitters in the division. So I kind of think she might just crack Kibas over and over and then maybe get an attrition finish, even if she doesn't just spark her randomly. I think this is just a uniquely uh, winnable matchup for Chukagian assuming that the intangibles don't work out way in Hibas's favor. Yeah, I mean, because there also just could be, uh, I mean, I think there definitely is going to be a pretty pronounced speed advantage for Hibas. Definitely. But Hibas, I mean, she, she, she can be pretty good about, like, using her footwork aggressively to, like, close people down and cut them off. But her shot selection can be a little fucky, and she's hittable while she's doing it. And Caitlin Chukagin is just like really long and very mobile and is a decent straight hitter and will try stuff like intercepting knees when people are trying to close distance too recklessly on her. And she can uh, kick off of her punches really well. Uh, if none of you all remember the Liz Carmouche fight, there's actually like, uh, it actually has Caitlin Chukagin's singular, like most violent moment uh, that I've ever seen in a fight of hers where. Liz Carmouche kind of like whiffs on a low kick and while she's out of balance and trying to get back trying to get back to stance Caitlin Chukagin just like pushes her back with like a three strike combination and bounces her off the cage into a right high kick and drops her I'm like oh my god is that Caitlin Chukagin or fucking Petch Panamrang that was sick so uh, I am going to pick uh, Caitlin Chukagin by head kick knockout for all of the reasons that we just said actually it would be sick and I second that, but I will also say I think maybe Chukagian just puts her out with an insane, like puts her out with a jab. Oh, that would be, That'd be fun. way funny. Yeah, it, it might be the funniest result because if Hibas' chin isn't better at a uh, 125, I can see her getting knocked out by just about anything from someone as like kind of awkward to fight as Chukagian. Chukagian is definitely not a hitter, but you know she she can get some stiff shots out that'll that'll like snap your head back. Yeah, no, I mean, she she was, like, notice, noticeably cracking uh, Viviani Araujo in the later rounds of their fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a ton of factors that you got to worry about when someone's going up a weight class. So it's, it's just a kind of hard fight to pick, depending on that. Mm-hmm. And Kayla Dukagan is slower than Amanda Hebush, but, like, so, so, so is Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez isn't a fast strawweight. But but she does hit very hard, and I'm I'm, I'm still picking Caitlin Chikagan by KO because it would just be the illest shit. Uh, Frank Camacho is fighting Manuel Torres. Uh, Frank Camacho always been fun, but he is getting pretty old and was you know, st- still a limited banger in his prime. Um, he's just fighting a contender series dude who's. Like a really tall straight hitter and active kicker, and has has a really funny sequence in his contender series fight where he uh, uh, really aggressively framed off and, and poked his opponent in the eye pretty bad, and Herb Dean didn't catch it, so he just like kicked the guy in the head and knocked him out. That was cool. Um, I don't know. I 
think old Frank Camacho is probably just going to uh, struggle with a, a long boy who's uh, pretty quick. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I kind of just think uh, you can look at the you, you can just look at the names of the fight and be like, oh, it's a contender series guy versus Frank Camacho in twenty twenty two. Probably going with the contender series guy. Yeah. Um. Then the next uh, fight, uh, one of two actually really interesting prospect matchups in the flyweight division on this card, which is something that I love to see because, uh, as we know, flyweight is a really good division in terms of like the skill level of the fighters that occupy it, but it was just kind of uh, completely stripped out by the UFC where everyone either got cut or moved up to bantamweight. So it's been in a transitional period and it's still just not quite filled out how we'd like to see it. So I'm really, uh, I'm really happy to see these matchups being made. First one of which, former Cage Warriors champion from the UK, Jake Hadley, is taking on Alain Nascimento. I think that th- this is a cool fight. I agree. Yeah, Jake Hadley's your classic, uh, standard British all-rounder guy, but with some cool looks. He's a, like, pretty minimal in terms of his shot selection. Just a lot of straight straight punches and using his jab to set up uppercuts and straights to the body when, when his opponent shells up, stuff like this. Uh, he's got a decent left kick as a southpaw, but kind of shut it down by also just being southpaw because his kicking game is mostly just the kind of just like left kick switch up thing. But if, he, if he's in the close stance, he will just like throw it to the lead leg. Um, He's a decent grappler in top position. Uh, decent up. Uh, Wrestler and top position grappler, decent at getting body lock takedowns into uh, leg mounts and cross fist rides and using that stuff to take the back where he's also pretty dangerous. And uh, he's got some cool looks off his back as well. He's not great defensively as a wrestler, but he's got a good 60 second guard where he's flexible as fuck and you'll see him hit omoplatas and cool stuff like that before just like working to re- uh, get back to his feet. Which uh, should be fun against uh, Alain Nascimento, who I believe is a teammate of Charles Oliveira's. Yep, and and he he just got a lot of the cool Charles tricks, like uh, like half slicers to take backs, uh, just a lot of leg entanglements to create scrambles. Mm-hmm. I think he's a bit more of a, a bit more of a classic guard player than uh, Jake Hadley. He will more just sell out for submissions, or he'll be more likely to try and hit like sweeps off of Kimuras or triangles than just like work back to his feet. And he's just like an aggressive pressure striker who is definitely still developing. Um, it's just kind of mechanically, mechanically not that great. And we'll, we'll just do a lot of like really ugly blitzes to try and chase his man back. Um, but but he's just really long. It's pretty awkward with that length. I kind of think that the two guys are just going to be really well matched on the ground, and we're going to get some sick scrambles. But when whenever they're striking for prolonged periods of time, I just think Jake Hadley is just a lot more uh, a lot more clean and well schooled as a striker. He has some cool defensive looks, like you'll see him hitting the Dra- Dracula guard and stuff. He's pretty active with his guard, but he can also be a little bit rote about it, and he's just like begging to get either uppercutted around it or blasted to the body at some point but I don't know if uh, Nascimento is going to be that guy so I'm probably going to pick uh, Jake Hadley by decision but I just think it's a pretty sick fight 
Yeah, I agree the fight has a lot of potential to be good, but I think depending on how Jake Hadley approaches his UFC debut, he might just take a kind of not that enjoyable top game win. Well, I think even if he does that, though, I think Massimento is going to be causing a lot of scrambles that should be really entertaining. Oh, I think the first round, regardless, is going to be sick. But I think if it goes past that, uh, Hadley is just like a more consistent top player and is is going to be able to just like grind out rounds. It actually, you know what? Could be a robbery. Nascimento could uh, out like fight him on bottom and then lose a decision. So I, that's going to be my pick. I'm going to pick Alan Nascimento by getting robbed. Uh, and then we got Viviane Araujo versus Andrea Lee. This is a fun fight. Kind of seems in a lot of ways like Araujo should have every advantage, but I think this is going to be a sneaky hard fight for her. Like Araujo is definitely a good prospect, mainly just because she's athletic as fuck. Um, but she's good. she's got some cool shit that she does as well. Um, I think she's actually a lot better when, like, kind of as an outfighter when fighters are coming onto her. And she can kind of just she she can kind of just like pivot off of check hooks and like leverage a speed advantage in exchanges. But I do think there's just a lot of inefficiency about the way she fights because she's a pretty strong athlete and like she will throw everything way too hard in a way that I think is actually hampering her punching power because there's so much mechanical inefficiency and she loads up on everything and everything's way slower than it needs to be. Even though she just like is like naturally quite quick. I think with with a few mechanical improvements, we'd actually see her like noticeably hurting people a lot a lot more because she was cracking Caitlin Chukagan a lot, but she would kind of just be fine and just get back to work and build up a volume lead. And uh, Andrea Lee has just been looking a lot better. She is way less athletic than Arujo, and if Arujo really needs to take this to the ground, then she can probably top game Andrea Lee. Um, but I just think Andrea Lee's, Andrea Lee's output and uh, footwork just against uh, Cynthia Calvillo looked like it had been improved enough to do a lot of the things that Caitlin Chukagin was giving uh, Arujo trouble with. She is a lot less consistent than Caitlin Chukagin and she, isn't, she doesn't have the same... Uh, like frame to leverage that kind of style uh, against Arujo with, but I can really just see Arujo just like swinging big and plodding into body kicks and getting tired. She's pretty kickable to the body, but she will just like grab them and like hulk people to the ground. Um, and there is a not indistinct chance that she just like drops Andrew Lee in the first round because she's slow and hangs her chin out. I don't know. I think this is going to be a banger. Yeah, I expect the fight to be really good. Uh, I, I think that Andrew Lee's just a bit too easy to put off from what she wants to do. And Arujo has like just the amount of tools to be able to bring a bad fight out of Andrew Lee. Like, she has like serviceable tools for the matchup and then is fucking way stronger and faster and and also seems quite durable. She she has a bit of like the mid 30s power puncher thing going on where she gets really tired because she can't sustain a pace of of throwing like full power shots the entire fight. I think that's the way she throws. 
it, that's definitely a large aspect of it. Um, it, but like, I, like she, she just can't sustain what she's trying to do. So I can, I can see her getting attrition finished maybe by Andrea Lee, but, uh, I don't know. I think if anyone's gonna like win moments, it's going to be Arujo and, you know, if you're winning moments against Andrea Lee, you're probably going to win the fight. Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. It's definitely a hard fight for Andrea Lee. And, you know, you know she, she, she would have to really, you know, you know show, show that those improvements have really stuck and it wasn't just like a thing that happened against Cynthia Calvillo. <laughs> yeah, because everything I've seen from Andrea Lee in her last few fights make her look like she'll, she'd do really well in this matchup aside from the fact that she fought Antonina, who is about a tenth as athletic as Valentina, and fought Cynthia Calvillo, who is small and one of the worst athletes in the top 15. And also weak to the body, which Arujo is ex- definitely not. Even though she's, like, hittable to the body, she, she, she's like, she can take a shot. Yeah. yeah I mean, Arujo is probably going to win. I think you should pick Andrew Lee still, though. Well, fuck it, then. I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I'm gonna diverge, but I appreciate that I need one of us to pick Andrea Lee. I'm gonna say Arujo by, like, decision off of dropping uh, Andrea Lee once and then kind of scraping by in the second. Yeah, I, 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 it, it, yeah if Arujo's gonna win, it's gonna be dropping Lee in the first round and then top gaming her for half of the second round and then getting really tired. And then in another fight that could end up being a robbery, Michael Johnson versus Alain Patrick. Um, yeah, like, how do you even pick Michael Johnson fights at this point? Do you, do you pick Michael Johnson to be anyone at this point? Uh, it being back at lightweight uh, makes it kind of weird. Like, I mean, he's been back at lightweight for a bit. Yeah, but... To little success, and you know the, the the narrative against Clay Guida was like, how hard is Michael Johnson going to beat Clay Guida's ass before he loses? He didn't even he didn't even do that. Yeah, he so, like he like cracked Clay a few times, but Clay was winning a large percentage of the striking exchanges. I don't know. I think I I'm just gonna pick uh, the guy that's lost less times in a row. Right, there's like no other reason to pick Alan Patrick over the guy who beat Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, and Edson Barboza, but that guy is Michael Johnson. I'm going to pick Alan Patrick. I have no reasoning other than I just I, M- Michael Johnson is just uh, unfathomable to me. I, I cannot assess him. Yeah, and and if I want to be an asshole about it, I can also say I'm, I'm going to pick the guy that's only lost three times instead of the guy that's lost seventeen times. Because uh, like he's on a two fight losing streak, but he, that that is exactly the kind of analysis that people come to this show for. Yeah, and but like Alain Patrick is like the old guy in the matchup. Strangely, uh, I mean it's not strange because you know he's he's been old for a long time, but. Uh, it's weird that Michael Johnson is fighting someone that is probably more shot than him. So I think that, uh, like, he has less fight years, but he's he's a, an old 38. So I, I kind of think that Michael Johnson might just knock him out in the first because Alain Patrick was getting, 
like beaten to the punch by Mason Jones, who isn't as fast as Michael Johnson, even though like it's still old Michael Johnson, but he's like he's still fast. Yeah, but Mason Jones is a good fighter in his prime. Oh, definitely. But I think in like a unique way to the matchup, it could actually allow Michael Johnson to knock him out just because of the speed difference. Zalan Patrick is many things, but not fast. I'm going to pick Alain Patrick by uh, submission. Why not? I think that is a safe bet. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to pick Michael Johnson by first round KO just because I would feel like a cool guy if I'm right. And no one's expecting anything from him, so there's no real consequences. And then we can get the rematch that everyone's really been looking for. Michael Johnson, Tony Ferguson too. Yep. If the times it was ever, it's now. Okay, so uh, Venus Jandaroba's fighting Angela Hill. Uh, I'm going to pick the strong grappler to win a decision over Angela Hill. Oh, another fight that could be a robbery. That's right. This, that's three fights in a row on this card that could be robberies. Oh, my God. Angie's definitely going to get robbed. She's going to get top-gamed a little bit, and then she's going to like actually fuck up Jandaroba and pressure the shit out of her and do clinch stuff in the third round and then it's not quite going to be enough and she's going to get robbed yeah really good fight always got to watch an Angela Hill fight and uh, Verna Jandaroba is really cool as well so if anyone's going to rob Angie I'm okay with it being Verna uh, also Verna could just win in like an objective sense she might uh, actually <laughs> just win she is a really good grappler and she's like a competent enough striker to hang with Angie for like stretches probably yeah, and I think uh, Angela's like finally starting to fall off because she was doing well for a little while, but you know it seemed like a bit of a last hurrah because she's not young, uh, and and she did start MMA like quite late into her life. But there's only so much that like being young when you get into it can kind of maintain you. Like she's still 37; it's definitely a factor, and she's always been win loss, win loss. Been robbed like seven times. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and, I, and I was kind of thinking the same when she just got completely shut out by Tisha Torres in their second fight. But then she went on to have a really competitive fight that you could say she won uh, against Amanda Lemosh, who, you know, <laughs> coming off of a rough loss, but, sh- you know, shit happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's still a very good fighter that I think a lot of people thought was just going to wipe Angela Hill out. Angela's still tough as fuck, but I don't know that she'll ever like quite actually be able to maintain the kind of fight that she needs to be able to win consistently. And then you know, you want to talk about the next fight, Christian? Uh, yes. So, uh, give me one second. Sorry. Uh, then Carlos Candelario versus Tatsuro Tyra. Uh, that's a fucking sick fight. Uh, Candelario coming off a contender series fight where he lost, but Dana White thought he won, so he gave both guys a contract, and Candelario looked really good in that fight, uh, but just kind of got outworked in some regards, uh, despite having a good argument for winning. So he's a very competent fighter. He's a pretty good all-rounder. He, uh, He's got like good kicks. He's pretty creative. He can he can like figure out things on the fly to try and get into fights. He's very tough. Uh, but Tessero Tyra is a super prospect and has a ton of experience. And he's twenty two. And, and he's like supposed to be Japan's next big star. 
So he's probably the one to pick if you're going to pick anyone to win immediately. He's like a really slick grappler that takes the back like fucking lightning. Uh, he's, he's a competent enough striker. He mostly focuses on power combo or power counters uh, and, and just tries to like rock you real quick, real quick or like off put you and then uh, sneak your back real quick. So, you know, I'm going to pick Tetsuro Tyra by uh, like probably submission in the first two rounds. Uh, but I could also definitely see Candelario just utilizing the being 27 versus 22 curse where it, he just has man strength and is, is going to like impose himself on the guy that hasn't really like fully grown yet. Cause yeah, he's 22. Like he's a grown man, but there's, you, you can see a difference uh, between someone that's like in their early twenties versus like a, in almost in their thirties. And Candelario has less experience in theory but he's he's been fighting for a long time like i believe he started uh boxing when he was like 17 and he's 27 now so he, he's just like he has the goods to be able to make himself look like much less of an underdog than he actually is oh uh, yeah uh, taro is definitely a fighter to get excited about regardless of what happens in this fight he's super dynamic athlete he's fast as fuck like you say he's an insane grappler saying it just yonk in the back. But this is definitely not an easy matchup to get in his UFC debut. Um, just because, as you say, Candelario is surprisingly experienced. He's actually, he's also not young for a flyweight. He's actually 31. He's 30. Yeah. Um, and d- doesn't have, or d- doesn't have as much like fight experience on paper as uh, Tyro. Um, I believe even in the four years that he spent off uh, MMA, he was still working as a coach. So I think, you know, him just having been around and being a really competent grappler and that kind of being his main skill set, despite being, as you say, also just a reasonably consummate all-rounder. You know, I can see, like, Toro getting the back, like, really early and selling out super hard and Candelario kind of just being fine and Toro just not quite... Uh, like so just being prepared, not quite being prepared for the old guy who can who has just been in those situations and can handle it. Uh, but like I say, even even if this does end up being a prospect loss for Tyra, he's he's a really exciting fighter and really could be the next thing for the next big thing for Japanese MMA. And I'm still going to pick him by like first round submission. But Candelario is. Absolutely in this fight. Yeah, we're both picking uh, Tetsuro, but, you know, Candelario, uh, he he has, like, his full game. Like, he's not going to make any major changes to his game, I can't see at this point. He's, he's a complete fighter, which is always an issue for a guy that's 22 who hasn't fully rounded out his game or, or like, grown into his style completely. So you could just see... Uh, Candelario just having a more cohesive game despite uh, Tetsuro being able to win. So, though Tyra has an insane ceiling, it seems, uh, he might just not be where he needs to be yet to be able to beat this matchup. And uh, aside from looking at his record and seeing it looks nice, he hasn't fought great competition. He's fought serviceable competition, definitely. Uh, better than most people that are 10-0 uh, making the UFC debut. But he's not, like that experienced uh in regards to good competition so or particularly athletic people 
which I don't know that Candelario is that, but um, but he's still, he's he's still just a very competent fighter, and he's he's not. I don't think he's going to make it easy for Taro. But in any case, I'm just really happy to see some new exciting flyweight signings. Hopefully, this division actually has a future, and within a few years, we're going to be seeing some of these guys. Uh, weeding each other out and uh, making that ascent could be a much more interesting top 15 in a few years' time. Uh, last fight on the card. Yeah. Again? Uh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Nick Maximov versus Andre Petrosky. I mean, this fucking, this fucking sucks. <laughs> it to be bad. I'm strangely really excited about it. Like, it's one of the most bland fights I can think of being made at 185. And that's saying something. Yeah, Nick Maximov just kind of is like willing to take a, a top game like kind of domination win or, or I use domination lightly and then Petrovsky is equally likely but he's way more mentally breakable but he's a lot larger. So it, it's a weird dynamic. Uh, it feels like the fights from 2007 it really does. Uh, are you gonna do your Nick Maximov joke? Oh, Nick Maximov, more like Dick Minimum. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking, a good one. Fucking got him. That's yeah. all I have to say about that fight. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna pick uh, Nick Maximov by not being a quitter. That's fine. Because that's that. I think that's the deciding factor. I don't think Petrovsky being larger is gonna matter that much. Honestly, pretty much every other fight uh, on this card was like actually worth talking about. Should be good in some way. As always, if you enjoyed uh, this podcast and the other great stuff that the Fight Side puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon. A pledge of just $3 will gain access to a huge library of really high-quality analytical fight content. And a pledge of $5 gains access to a Discord server with a great community of interesting fight fans We're constantly having great discussions and are getting together to watch fights in the VCs it's always good fun come hang out support the fight site this has been the Forbidden Technique podcast you can catch us next week where we're going to be recapping all the action from this card as well as I guess uh, previewing next week's UFC Fight Night card headlined by Holly Holm versus who is it again? Ketlin Vieira. Ketlin Vieira. So look forward to that. I know Christian is. Looking at the card, it's actually like kind of fun. Very short card. We'll catch you guys for that. And we'll see you later. Peace. Later. <laughs>